What's up, everybody? Peter Martin here. We are so pleased today on the pod to present a discussion, a conversation, a homecoming with Mr. Victor Goins, my friend of 30 plus years, one of the finest saxophonists, educators, and administrators and cultural ambassadors of this music that we call Jazz Anywhere. Um, he is the incoming president and CEO of Jazz St. Louis. We discuss that. We discuss New Orleans back in the old days. I even surprised him with a video clip that he wasn't aware of himself on YouTube with one and a half million views. So Adam and I had a lot of fun. Let's get into our discussion with Mr. Victor Goins. What's going on, Victor? Welcome. All right, Peter Morton. Man, so glad to have you here. This is Victor Goins. And um, we are so glad to have you on the pod here. So glad to have you in St. Louis. As a, can we call you a resident yet? I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm buying property, so I'm a resident. All right, right. <laughs> We're so excited. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Um, you've only been here a few weeks, but you look like you're settling in. You're finding your way around. What's your initial impressions? Well, that's an optical illusion that I'm settled down. You know, oh. <laughs> I've been here, though, for a couple of weeks now. Okay. My impression is that's a great city. I'm happy to be in your hometown. You spent time in mine in Crescent City. Now I'm in St. Louis with you. That's right. That's right. We've really come full circle. And, um, you know, one of the joys of my professional and personal career and how they've intersected has been our kind of almost near constant involvement, although we've taken some breaks from each other that are caused by others more than us. <laughs> but, um, you know, some of my happiest musical memories and, you know, periods of intense development have been with you because of you and alongside you at different times. So to have you back here now makes me feel like, you know, being in that student and development period again. So I'm really excited. Well, it, it's... I, I thank you for that compliment. You know, actually, I was a student and you all were the teachers with you and Chris Thomas and Brian Blade and Nicholas Payton. Man, I was just holding on to coattails. I was an old man in the band. Well, it was, no, it was <laughs> such a cool thing. And we're going to listen. I actually pulled up a little bit of uh, footage, but of course, it's not moving because it was so long ago. Right. stationary <laughs> footage. But um, that was such a great period. Yeah, so you had a band and you invited us all to join. Nicholas Payton on trumpet. And Nicholas was like... He was about 14 or 15. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was, I was going to yeah, say a kid. Was, he was almost yeah. pre-kid. Um, but basically sounded the same as he does today, oddly yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, he, he, had, he had a sound that was unique, and he had a voice that was his at that time. And it, yeah. it, is, it has evolved, obviously, but um, it, it is the same voice that you can recognize over time. Yeah, absolutely. And then Brian Blade, Chris Thomas, uh, and myself were kind of a rhythm section that you know, became a little bit known after that, but really the genesis of that was with you because you're the first one that put us together. Like, we were playing as a trio, but we didn't have any gigs. So you actually <laughs> made us into a rhythm section because you're not really a rhythm section if you're not playing with anybody, you know. That was the last time any of you three had no gigs. <laughs> right, right. Right. Yeah. right, after that, I was the one without a gig because I didn't have a rhythm section. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because uh, you, you all, obviously, I could tell a story. I remember the exact story behind how that all evolved, um, we were, we were preparing to play the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. And um, George Ween, was he had his long, young lines out at that time. You all were going to be, I think, the second generation right. of the young lines. Right. And we had, like, the prime spot on the Jazz and Heritage Festival. And um, Mr. Ween <laughs> wanted this band, this, this, this rhythm section of, of Peter, Brian, and Chris, and Nicholas. So 
He said, well, we could change your time. I said, well, no, I don't, I don't want to change from the prime time. I said, let them make their decision. Initially, they all were like, well, we're going to stay here and make the gig. But obviously, George Ween, being who George Ween was, he uh, added his influence to it, and they went on the road with the Young Lions. And ultimately, that rhythm section became Joshua Redman's rhythm section, which was kind of interesting because the whole time I was trying to get us on the road as a band, but all of you all ended up going out of the band, and I stayed in New Orleans. But <laughs> I was happy for you all to be out there with, with Joshua. And Nicholas ultimately had his own band when he, he joined, I think he joined Verve, right? Yeah, his he first joined record. Verve and then was playing with Elvin Jones, I think, right yeah, around yeah, that right. time and right after that. And right. No, so. I think I smell a reunion concert at Jazz St. Louis coming on. Well, they those. did that once already. The trio was in a club. Yes. And, and I was playing across oh, the street yeah, at that's right. the Fox. At the Powell Hall. At, the, at Powell. With, with the symphony and with and, Jazz and Lincoln Center. Yeah, and our gig was kind of side by side. So as soon as we finished, I packed it real quick and ran down to the bistro. Yep. And they had just finished playing. So I was like, oh, man. I said, well, man, can they play another song? Yeah. And nobody objected, so we got to play some rhythm stages together, I remember. Yeah. So it was fun. Well, because I remember we talked, and I was like, come over right when you're done. And you know how musicians are always like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come down. But I was kind of lingering on that second set because I was like, I know Victor will. Like, Victor's <laughs> one of those guys that will, if he's saying he's going to come down, so I can be like, no, man, I was going to come. But, uh, you see him Vic, the next day. It's yeah. Not like that. And so we're kind of like vamping, but it's like sort of time to go. And then I look out of the corner of my eye, I saw Victor. I was like, yep. And he had like, he was dressed, but he had his horns. I was like, exactly, let's yeah. do this, you know. So that was the that was the beginning of a reunion. But we have to get a, maybe a, another reunion happening somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, we, and I mean, even after we were all traveling and, and you were as well, you tried to make it sound like we all left you know you're out there <laughs> but the great thing was we were you know we did a lot of playing together of course with Jermaine Basil as that's well right you know that's who right. really was a you know like a musical mother to all of us yeah yep. um uh but we always had that foundation in New Orleans I mean you had it growing up but I felt like the warm embrace of the musical community with so many different folks but especially with you and with Nicholas and Walter Payton and Ellis Marsalis of course that was a really special thing. It was. You know, and, and New Orleans was very lucky for you coming to the city at that time because you filled a, a generational vacuum that had potentially vacated itself when Harry Connick left town. Mm. You know, I, you all probably close to each other in age and whatnot. So there was really no one with your level of proficiency at that age there to be able to, to, to come on the bandstand and play like you did. And very few people after that, you know, to be honest with you. But... Um, it was great to have you in town because you also brought the, the knowledge of Thelonious Monk with you. Mm. So I remember you had shared a lot of Monk during that time. So it was a chance for me to learn more of Thelonious Monk's music with you. Yeah, that was fun. We used to play. I mean, you were so open. Everybody was so that we used to play all that stuff. Can we listen to this band? Yes, let's listen to it. <laughs> Too far into okay, it. so I pulled this up. I don't know when the last time you saw this, Victor, but I want to introduce you to your grandson, a young, a young Victor Goins here. Who's on my record cover? <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because you were saying you felt like the old man. But we must have been like toddlers there because you look like you're about 17 years old here. Uh, yeah, it was a, another one of those, uh, you know, makeup kind of things. <laughs> yeah. This is cool. So this is from either, was it 91 or 92? I think it's, it's 91. I think it's 91, yeah. Um, Victor Goins' Genesis, the same quintet we were just talking about. This is the title track. <laughs> Thank you. 
such a great period because, okay, now you can correct me because I know you have a great memory <laughs> for these things. But um, didn't you have like finale printed charts for all these tunes back then? Yeah, well, what happened is <laughs> I used to write them out, but every time I come to the gig, someone would lose a part. <laughs> so I finally said, I have to go digital now. Yeah. So then I started going digital. It made life a lot easier in terms of uh, being able to reproduce parts along the way. But think about this, Adam. Okay, 1991. We're talking about, what is that, 41? Wait, is that right? 41 years ago? No, that couldn't oh, be. Oh, my goodness. No, 31 years ago. 31. Yeah, <laughs> Stop. years I was like, <laughs> No, but I it's mean, by fast enough. that was the first time I saw like actual digital copies yeah. that somebody had printed out. I remember the first <laughs> time for me too. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, and then I remember he's like, oh, I'm going to change this. Then he came back the next day. Of course, it would take a day, but I, I would have thought it would have taken six months to redo it, like <laughs> re-engrave it. I was like, how is he doing? Me and Brian and Chris were looking, like, this is like magic. This guy is like, where? how is he doing this? Yeah. So it was, uh, that just you know, came back. But so many great musical memories. We, we all had fun too because we had a lot of the same uh, sort of musical heritage, I think, like language. You right. know, a lot of it we sort of developed together, but we also kind of brought this sort of you know vibe and sensibilities and things that we listened to, you know, the vernacular of like how to play with each other. So it was a real natural thing. Yeah, you know, we were listening to a lot of. I, I know I was at the time listening to a lot of Winton and and his his. And then it was starting to be his sextet. But I yeah. had listened to a lot of he and Branford, of course, having right. come up together. So it's funny because when I listen to this now, and I haven't listened to this in a very long time, but. Uh, I thought I was writing in 7-4, but it's just 4 plus 3, 4 plus 3. And I didn't realize <laughs> it was so symmetrical along the way until I was listening. I was like, wow, it's just very symmetrical. So, yeah. But uh, it, was, it was really interesting to be able to, to, to really share it with you all because I remember I lived on Music Street, yeah. ironically, in New Orleans, and I had a back room where I made sure I had a drum set. We had an electric piano. Yeah. Then no upper at the time. But we were able to get back there and shade and have uh, jam sessions and whatnot. So it was a really, really special time. It, it was really a point that needs to be reproduced in modern times where people come together. Mm. It is not always about what money am I going to make on one gig or right. on this gig or that gig. You're just constantly involved in the music. And that's yeah. what New Orleans was about at that time. Yeah, we were, we were like hustling, but we, it wasn't really hustling... It was hustling to like rehearse and play yeah. and get arrangements together and learn monk tunes and stuff. Right. But we were always like, we go to Victor's house. We're like, man, this dude, he owns like he was always a little step ahead of us. Yeah. He owned the house. We were like, can, yeah. can I get a roommate? Do I have to sleep over here? You know, <laughs> Brian would be like, oh, I can't stay in my apartment anymore. Can I stay with yours? Yeah. I was like, this dude owns a house, man. He's next level. It's amazing how old the twenty-six-year-old seems. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's funny. I remember it was a time Brian had a gig one day, and he 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 lived in. He lived in the uptown area of New yeah. Orleans. He went up, he loaded his truck, he said. He went upstairs to get one thing he forgot, came back down, his drum set was gone. Oh, yeah. You remember that? Yeah, because he lived in the, the hood part of uptown. Oh, right. in, the, in the central city over there. Exactly. But he called me, he said, hey, man, somebody drove my, stole my drum set. Can I borrow yours? I said, yeah. So he ended up playing this big 22-inch bass drum for a lot of gigs. But uh, it served a purpose, and I was happy he was able to do it. Yeah. So. Well... Are we, I, I want to have you back because we could. We're gonna do like seventeen different. We're gonna do a whole series of podcast episodes just talking about the new ones. <laughs> I want to get we, some playing going. We, in we've here definitely too at got some it. Point. Yeah, we've yeah. definitely got it in there. Um, but we wanted just to talk to you about your new position. You are CEO, Executive Director, Head Honcho, Big Man in Charge. <laughs> what, what other titles are on there for Jazz St. Louis? Yeah, it's it's a huge point of pride for our city, Jazz St. Louis. As you know now, I'm sure you've been here for long enough, which is not long, but long enough for everybody <laughs> to tell you how much they love the institution, you know. And uh, I wonder what it's like 
coming into this institution, your predecessor was here for quite a while. Yeah. And well, it's, it's really unique for me because I remember when it was just jazz. Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. At the Majestic, at the Majestic. Hotel. Oh, right. Yeah. And everybody played where the pool table is at yep. in the corner of the joint, but some of the best music that one ever. I remember checking out Tim Warfield with Nicholas Payton there mm. one time. And um, then obviously it moved down to Washington Street where it became known as Jazz at the Bistro. Yep. And uh, the bandstand was way in the front and everybody was in the back. And the back left, of course, was kind of like the musician's corner yeah. where people yeah. could kind of sneak in the back door. There's no one sneaking in, y'all, so I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and then I was fortunate to be a part of the renovation process when Jazz on Lincoln Center played for the grand opening. So, right. And I think it's one of the most beautiful rooms in the country to be. I, I think it's the pride and joy of St. Louis. And it's, the, it's, it's with... Has, it's affiliated with the only jazz institution downtown in jazz, you know, in, in St. Louis. Yeah, yep. I mean, you have the orchestra here, St. Louis Symphony Orchestra. You have the opera and all this. Then you have jazz St. Louis. So yeah. we represent, this is, this is uh, what we would call um, St. Louis for the Performing Arts Center at Grand Center. Yep. And I'm kind of using the name of Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts, where they have all of their institutions in one location. Yeah. Well, this is where all the institutions are located for the Performing Arts in St. Louis, not to overlook what's taking place in Forest Park with all the museums and everything else. There's a tremendous amount of art and the arts in St. Louis, as everyone has been really, really kind enough to tell me, especially for the population of the city compared to others. I mean, New York is a huge population, yeah. and while it has a lot going on, per capita, St. Louis, I think, outdoes New York easily. Mm. Well, so I, I, we always mention, you know, in New York Times jazz critic Nate Chenin wrote a book called Playing Changes about jazz in mm -hmm. the 21st century, and he lists three major jazz institutions, Jazz at Lincoln Center, SF Jazz, yep. and Jazz St. Louis. Fantastic. And I always say, like, that's amazing for mm -hmm. a city our size to even be mentioned in the same breath as those other two. Is incredible, but it does speak to what I love about Jazz St. Louis is just the amount of respect that it gives the music that we all, of course, think it deserves. But right. it's yep. pretty, it, it, when you set the table that way, when you set the scene for your community, they show up and, and the musicians show up, and it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. So, yep. and the history is so deep here, you know. Um, I, when I first took the job, I did some research to see about people who were from here, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to remember all the names now, but of course. Everybody associates Miles, Miles Davis here. He was actually from Alton, Illinois, yeah. which is part of St. Louis. People claim it as, but someone who was definitely from here, phenomenal, was Clark Terry. Yeah, yeah. we need a Clark Terry statue in Grand Center. Like, yeah, yeah. Right absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And then Velma Middleton from mm -hmm. Louis Armstrong's band. Yep. That's an interesting thing. And then there's a whole popular music scene and the hip hop and all of that other kind of stuff. There's artists from all different genres and, and who are from St. Louis. So, I mean, um, it makes sense that it's organized from there. And it, it kind of puts us in a, um, and I say us, I'm talking about New Orleans. It makes us realize we need to have something that's competitive and, and even not competitive, but representative maybe is a better word yeah. as the other three major arts institutions that you mentioned are. It's the home. It, should, it deserves yeah. a yeah. So, home base. For well, sure. I, I love the, the concept of a little bit of like healthy competition mm -hmm. and helping each other and I think that you know you're going to be and you already are such a great asset to us here in St. Louis not just for Jazz St. Louis but for the greater arts community because you're so well versed with these other institutions and like with New Orleans really with that very unique thing there but also your your long time connection uh, with Jazz and Lincoln Center from the very beginning mm -hmm. back before you know 
when it was still at Alice Tully and everything oh, back yeah. in those days. I was <laughs> I was around a little bit then, but I mean, so you saw that grow, but also yeah. SF Jazz, you played here, you played mm-hmm. on the very first concert, you know, right. well, as you can a musician. Play. That, that alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then also, you know, as being the first director at the Juilliard uh, Jazz Program, yeah. so the education side, I think that you... Um, bring a unique perspective and intelligence about the music from both sides, institutional and mm-hmm. as a musician, that is really going to be able to propel um, this situation to the next level. So I'm super excited to well, see where it goes. I'm looking forward to it. I have to tell you, of all the things that were descriptions inside of it, I was I was really excited to see so much of an educational component inside mm-hmm. of Jazz St. Louis. And I mean, they were very adamant about wanting somebody with an educational background of a extended period of time. I think the at least eight years is what I remember seeing on the um mm-hmm. the job description. Right. But that's not something that usually is a priority for a job requirement at an arts institution. Right. It might be other things, you know, along the way, especially in this position of president and CEO. Yeah. But I was excited to, to see that and um I happen to know a lot about education, so I've been in it a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's such a great foundation and a track record. Yeah. Uh, and we've all been, and you know, Caleb's is involved currently on the faculty, mm-hmm. um, on the education side, and we've done many things, and I've been advisor there. And but there's a real track record, not only with standout players, you know, like a Nathan Pence, mm-hmm. and um, you know, Jacob Melcher, J- Jacob Melcher, and Scooter Scooter Brown, and like you know, really good mm-hmm. players that came up in the Jazz U program. But also just really um, excited, well-rounded, you know, culturally diverse students of the music. They may not mm-hmm. go on, you know, to jazz superstardom, but but they have an appreciation for the music. They're going to go on to be directors or band directors or have nothing to to do with jazz, but still be connected with it. And in a, in, a, in a city that has a, has traditionally been one of the most segregated cities in the country and doesn't have some of the advantages in New Orleans where mm-hmm. there's sort of that cross-pollination that's built in, although, as we know, New Orleans has its own problems, too. Right. But in St. Louis, Jazz St. Louis and the Jazz U program in particular, I felt has done a great job of bringing together students from East St. Louis, from U City, from West County, from all these different places under the auspices of not competing, because like, kids will get together if on a, in a football game in an adversarial standpoint, mm-hmm. but how many situations are there from kids from actual different socioeconomic backgrounds in different parts of the city come together to make music, to learn about music. It's yeah. a really special thing. What about our, our shared cultural heritage here? As right. You mentioned the history of the musicians who are from here. It's great that kids who are from here get to learn about the musicians that are from here. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and, and, and the, the one thing for me coming in is I'm not trying to change and I'm not going to change anything in the beginning of this, to be honest with you. I want to hear what's already here because mm. I know that to, to survive for 26, 27 years, that's a pretty good foundation. There, yeah. was, there was something in place already. Mm-hmm. So the question now is what, what exists to date that allows me to build upon it? It's like having a, uh, a good five-story house that you decide you want to make 10-story or even a high-rise for that matter. You review what's already here, and then you see how you strengthen the foundation so that you can build mm-hmm. it upward. And, and that's really what I'm trying to learn now um, I'm in a study mode, more or less, not only about the position, but the community and um, walking around and kind of talking to people as they're willing to have a dialogue and, mm-hmm. and learn about the city and learn about downtown, learn about all the things that are here, the, the great things and the challenging things, because you know, those become energetic things that make you know, things go around, so to speak. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So what, um, how do you see 
the future of, you know, as, as you're learning mm -hmm. about kind of where it's come from, but kind of knowing where it is, where, what, what do you see? Have you, have you had enough time to kind of see a vision in terms of like where you see this going? Are you modeling mm -hmm. that off of your experiences with Jazz and Lincoln Center? Like how does all that go into your thinking about what's happening here? Well, I certainly want to utilize the experiences that I've taken from Jazz at Lincoln Center, but I'm in no way trying to parallel it to make it a Jazz at Lincoln Center because it's St. Louis. It's Jazz St. Mm -hmm. Louis. It has its own identity. Um, it's just like somebody said, well, we could do a New Orleans show. I said, but we could do a St. Louis show. Mm -hmm. We don't have to do a New Orleans show. We could do a St. Louis show. So I want to take those things that I've learned. But I remember one of the key questions that somebody asked me um, from the, the search firm um, as I was considering this, this, in, this, this whole process, mm -hmm. the gentleman said, um, Jazz St. Louis is known around the world, but it's not world-renowned. So I'd like to work on exploring and, and putting into motion how we can make Jazz St. Louis world-renowned. Mm. Now I have some ideas that I, I can't necessarily put out there quite yet because they scoop here because they take the money. <laughs> and so for our first listener who contributes to our we, dog, rich <laughs> we got we got rich listeners. Come on, you yeah. give us a scoop. <laughs> so if you put, but we have some ideas about what we can do because what we got to do is try to get the the news outside of this area. I mean, mm -hmm. and many people I've spoken to thought that sometimes St. Louis is more of an insular type of town. Mm -hmm. It it, it kind of keeps us riches inside of it. And the, ch the, the thing I think is a little bit of a challenge is that we have all these great artists come here. Regina Carter was there. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of the season, we have Stefan Harris going to be in town, Etienne Charles. We have Sean Jones coming in. Um, we had Joey coming in. Unfortunately, he passed away, jo Joey DeFrancesco. Yeah. But um, all of these great artists coming in town, that's a great thing. They're bringing the riches from other parts of the country in town. But then they're just kind of also taking our riches and leaving. So we have to find a way... For us to go out and get the riches of the world and bring them back in. Hmm. And I'll leave you with that much of a hint about what I want to do <laughs> okay. to kind of help us move to the next level. Yeah. Now, it's super interesting because, you know, we're always thinking about, you know, when you're like, like, I think that you bring such a fresh perspective, especially now while you're fresh in here. Like once you've been here for a while, it's going to be <laughs> harder for you. You're going to be one of us, you know, uh -huh. which is great. But it's like now you can see you've been in all these situations. I mean, I know I think about like, you know, you've come and played with the St. Louis Symphony. So mm. you bring that element, but you work with like, you know, the Berlin Philharmonic on yeah. extended projects and all these different things. And so like you bring that sort of global perspective that I think is needed here. And like we we think about like St. Louis, you're right. It can be insular, but like the St. Louis Cardinals aren't insular. They're not like, you know, we're not world class or world renowned. Yeah. No, we're going for the top. Yeah, you know, we're going to bring renowned. in, or if they're yeah. from here, whatever, we're going to yeah. bring it together. But I'm wondering, well, you know, Sam, our, our mutual friend, Sam Burko, yeah. who uh, the three institutions we talked about, SF Jazz, Jazz and Lincoln Center, Rose Hall, uh -huh. and Jazz St. Louis, he was the acoustics designer at all those. And right. we also brought him in for this space. Fantastic. Um, for some of those same reasons. But I remember him t taking me to the side and saying, Peter, he's like, what you guys have here in St. Louis is such a unique and special thing. He's like, you know why I came here? I was like, well, because we've kind of been friends, and I asked him, he's like, yeah, well, i got a lot of projects I'm working on. But he <laughs> said, I really believe, especially in this Grand Center area between Jazz St. Louis, the symphony, here, what we're trying to do. And so I think for us to be able to leverage that kind of world-class talent mm -hmm. and bring it in is a great thing and a great reminder to us that what we have is something you know really special here. Right, and this is, it's been great. Uh, as I've gotten to town, so many people have reached out to, to introduce themselves to me, presidents of different organizations, see, you know, CEO positions, artistic 
directors from St. Louis Symphony, uh, St. Louis Opera, mm -hmm. the Kranzberg, Kranz yeah. everybody. So I'm looking forward to meeting more and more of them, but I'm looking forward to see how we can also collaborate mm -hmm. because we can, we should collaborate outside of St. Louis, but we can collaborate inside of St. Louis. That's great. That's great. You know, we, we can maximize, maximize what we have here and put our audiences together. Right. You know, again, we're not competing against each other. We're actually all on the same team because while each organization might have their, their part of the pie that's big in, the, in terms of the population of people in St. Louis, we're small, so we have to be together. We have to be working together all the time. Yeah. When I think some, you know, we've seen some things that I, I think we need to do a better job, and we'll definitely do it here on the pod and, you know, in, in trumpeting, if you will, or saxophoning in honor of our guest. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, examples that have been really successful, you know, Jazz St. Louis and Opera Theater of St. Louis. Terrence Blanchard. With Terrence, his first, well, two of the He's first opera. Yeah. Like that wouldn't have probably happened. Both commissioned. Had here. somebody not yeah. stepped up. Yeah. And you could say, well, somebody else would have done it. But it's like, but we're the ones who did it, That's actually. Right. That's right. And so, and then it goes to the Met, and everybody talks about that. But that was born right here. That's right. And so there's definitely the talent here, and there's the opportunities. Mm. So. It's gonna be fun to to see where yeah. you take it. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll we'll try to come up with some transformational ideas, as they say. Just yeah, that'll help to expand the the um, the perspective of of St. Louis and jazz St. Louis inside of the U.S., but also around the world. I think it should be world renowned, just like jazz at, jazz at Lincoln Center has and Winton yeah. has done a, a magnificent job of making jazz at Lincoln Center a world renowned place. Yeah. SF Jazz has done the same thing. Now we have to make sure that we at St. Louis, and that takes all of us. It's not just those inside of Jazz St. Louis, but the entire community do what we can to elevate Jazz St. Louis because, as they say, a rising tide raises all ships. So Absolutely. we want to make sure that everybody is, is rising at the same time. And we want to make sure that the local musicians, which is a term that I hate, um, there's a better term that we can use, those who... How did uh, Bob decide to use it? But those who live here as right. opposed to <laughs> those who reside here because local for some people brings upon a negative output in other ways. Right. You know, but people who have that world experience in bringing it back, it's important that they get to put that on display in St. Louis as well. I mean... Well, it's like in New York. Nobody minds being called a local yeah, musician yeah, yeah. in New York. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> oh, you're a local Broadway musician. You're right, a local right. Lincoln Center musician. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's great. All right, so I'm gonna we're gonna go take a, a sharp left turn. Oh, okay, okay. I got okay. a little surprise for you. Okay. So. Uh oh, here we go. We've known each other for a while. I, I got to dig deep to find surprises. Okay. You know? All right, go uh, for it. Okay. Taylor, so, you got the kill switch ready to go? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is something that I remember seeing, and I think I texted you about this. So it might not uh -oh. be a total surprise. And I know you have an incredible memory, but are you familiar with this video? I'm just gonna play it for you. I mean, of course you were, because oh, you were there, but... <laughs> Full seven. Oh, oh man. man. Obviously, you probably didn't think you were being filmed at this point. You got that right. <laughs> I love your look. It's kind of like, am I just going to be sitting here? Am I going to play? I don't know. Is it time for lunch? What's happening? So, you see, I start with the song. So, you see, I start with the song. 
Is that one and a half million? Yeah, well, yeah. this is what I was going to say. Okay, so this is one of the most viewed <laughs> jazz videos. Happy birthday? Ha uh, yes, happy birthday. Went Marsalis. And, look, I got it. I got to fast forward to this. Oh, boy. Here, oh, boy. So, obviously, it's killing. Like, the time is there, the intonation, <laughs> Witten's playing. You play some nice improv after this. But it's also the kind of thing, like, I, you know, anytime you get up to play, you're going to play at this level. But for whatever reason, this has a one and a half million views. So, my question is first of all, did you know that? And do you have an explanation for that? <laughs> it has one and a half million views because. This probably was the last time you saw me in jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I didn't know it was going to be. Well, I wasn't even supposed to do anything with him. I used to <laughs> always go and check out his workshops. Right. So while I was there, he said, hey, you want to play? I said, sure, I'll play. <laughs> so I'm sitting now lounging. And even as we were doing it, I didn't see the camera. Yeah. Right. So, um, but we, we just happened to be doing it. And, you know, he asked me to be a part of it. So I was there. But one and a half million, I, I had no idea it had that many hits. Well, let me just time. jump ahead because it, it's really killing what you guys are doing. I, I didn't mean to minimize it by saying I've heard you guys do this all the time. <laughs> but that's more of a testament to just you stay at a high level. But I want to... So it's not just your regular happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, man, for a little side note for students out there, anybody who wants to learn about time, check out Victor Goins left foot. That's yeah, like yeah. that's like a, a master class in how to just keep perfect relaxed time with with your with your Reeboks there, you know. Well, you know <laughs> that comes from Tony Williams, you know. He used to always play his hi-hat on every beat and he would shift ah, from right. left to right. That's I right. remember watching VSOP when uh, Whitney Branford went yeah, in yeah. band. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, now since you didn't know about that, you probably oh. don't know about this. Oh boy, oh Did boy. I dress any better? <laughs> well, check this out. This this video only has 400,000 views, but it's it's called this. I don't know if you know Rick Beato, but he's one of the really, I mean, he's got three, three million subscribers. He's a wow. big, he's not a jazz, he's just a music YouTuber, uh -huh. you know, talking about music. And this is what he says is the greatest. Hey, everybody, I'm ever. Rick Beato. So a lot of people ask me, what is your favorite, what kind of videos are your favorite YouTube videos to watch? Or... Even more oftenly asked, what's your favorite music YouTube video? And I thought, oh, that's easy. It's actually a video that my friend Pat sent to me on my birthday years ago. And it was a video that got uploaded to YouTube way back in 2008. It's from 2007. Way back. You see there's just two people playing. But no question, every time I put this on, it puts me in a great mood. And I, I don't typically like... Happy music. I like really moody, you know, music that's intense. But this is very happy music. Matter of fact, the title of this song starts with the word happy. So let me set up this video. There are two players, just a trumpet player and a saxophone player. And they're this side note, I love how he acts like you guys choreograph. I love how you're telling the story like, I, well, I just happened to be I know. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, let me set let me set the tone. Right, right. right. It was a movie playing set. a song that you all know. 
<laughs> this video was recorded in 2007, put on YouTube 2008. Check it out. Melody. You, you've heard this song before? This is when Marcellus and the now, trumpet. Victor's gonna play the melody. And Victor coins on the saxophone. I'm gonna play an improvisation around. Victor's gonna play the melody, he's gonna improvise around. Start to be flat. Oh, that's what was missing. Yeah, missing guitar. <laughs> And I place. definitely didn't know about that one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's That's a silly thinking. place, the yeah, internet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you weren't thinking about the changes in the same way he's laying them out either. So. Could you imagine showing your 2007 self this whole phenomenon? <laughs> wow. <laughs> But I think it is like, you know, this. this and then now there's going to be this video of that yeah, video. Yeah, like we're and analyzing what? and then we're getting your reaction well, to someone else's reaction. We call that Pascal's triangle. That's right. Mathematics. <laughs> Ten years from now, we're going to have to make a, Caleb's going to make a video of this video. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, well, cool. Well, I got to surprise you a little bit. But, yeah, but, yeah. But you, well, you really, did. Like, you, you weren't jumping out of your seat. You were still relaxed <laughs> about it, so. Uh, well, Victor, thank you so much for yeah, being man. here, and again, welcome to St. Louis, and I couldn't be happier, we couldn't be happier that you're part of the, the St. Louis musical family. You already were part of the St. Well, Louis musical family. Yeah, we had um, spent enough time here to be maybe a little <laughs> bit, but now, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more than my colleagues when they come in. That's right. We'll have to have some, some great St. Louis food for them when they come in town. No New Orleans food. We've done gumbo <laughs> everywhere else. But we'll do some barbecue and some there other things, go. some fried raviolis, I'm told. Ah, toasted ah. raviolis. You gotta, gotta, gotta fry them up, right? right yeah, some right. things like that for when they come in town. But it, yeah. it's great to be here. Thanks for the welcome, and thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. All right.